hey, this movie features Robert Pattinson violently murdering a seagull. Uh, <laughs> it is a puppet. It doesn't look like a puppet, but it's a puppet. So if you are fine with that, or if you're thinking like, I don't want to see a grown man slap a bird off of concrete until it's a bloody mass, well, maybe not. Maybe not watch it. This movie's not for everyone. Love ya. Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Welcome back, everyone, to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast, the podcast where Josh, that's him, hi, uh, tries to scare me, Cindy, hi, with scary horror movies that we have divided up into genre and we uh, deal with monthly. Try to scare her to death. Try to scare me to death. So this month, May, is all about isolation and being alone. I'm trying to get that teacher salary pension. <laughs> that sweet, sweet teacher Even money. though we're all married, so I wouldn't get it. No, you wouldn't. Uh, trying to get your children paid. <laughs> oh, because she's a caregiver. Okay. This month we're talking about isolation because we are recording this in the middle of the global pandemic of COVID-19. Yes, we are recording this back on April 4th. On April 4th, there's so far. just <laughs> over, I think we're at 1.1 million people worldwide with confirmed cases, uh, which seems like an insane number when I remember looking at it and it was like 56,000. So I'm curious when this finally comes out in May. I have stopped paying attention. Yep. I, I it's you, probably better not to. I'm just treating this like I'm on an extended vacation from work. And I'm still working from home, but I'm doing like trainings and paperwork stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go into the office. I've had to a couple times for things like emergency stuff. But by and large, I'm just like... Letting the hair grow out and well, just chilling. I don't have an option. No, <laughs> okay, so this week, what are we watching? I thought, what is a movie about isolation that I fucking love? And I've been wanting you to watch. You're going to make me watch The Lighthouse, aren't so you? So <laughs> today we're going to talk uh, to you about okay. The Lighthouse. So this movie came out last year, 2019, am I right? It sure did. Josh, Josh loves this movie. He went and saw it. It's like over two hours long. He went and saw it twice in a the theater. It was an hour and 49 minutes long. He, oh, whatever. He bought it. As soon as it came out, he talks about it all the time. He made me watch the trailer like two or three times. He's like, you're going to love it. And I'm just like, I cannot deal with Willem Dafoe's accent in this movie. Like, I just can't. Okay. It's November 1st of 2019. Um, We're definitely pushing the isolation with together boundaries. This is one one of two movies I can think of that came out in the last few years that I have been obsessed with. Yeah. The other one is Mandy. Mandy. Fucking that was, love uh, Mandy. Halloween costume. Both movies I bought the day they became available. Yes, he did. Uh, <laughs> so, so 2019. So things were going on that la- going on 2019. Uh, we were allowed outside. Yeah. We could give hugs to friends. I didn't really do that. Uh, we could hold hands. <laughs> um, you could buy toilet paper at Walmart. Just walk in. Yeah. No matter how old you were, at any time. It was open 24 hours. It's craziness. Just a few short months ago, uh, the world was so much better. <laughs> so much better. We didn't even know it. Uh, so this movie is written and directed by Robert Eggers, who did The Witch. 
Okay. Uh, I love both of these movies a whole bunch. I think I might like The Lighthouse a little bit more. It's a little more experimental. I think The Witch has the way better ending, but I think I like... I could rewatch The Lighthouse more often, which I think and is he has. counter to how most people feel about those two movies. Um, this movie really only has Willem Dafoe uh, as Robert Tom- Pattinson, right? As Thomas Wake, you know him from Spider-Man, Florida Project. We and know from being Willem Dafoe. Uh, one of the very few people that have worked with both David Cronenberg and David Lynch. Because he was in Wild at Heart and he was in Existence oh. for uh, Cronenberg. Yeah. One of the few. Willem Dafoe, an actor that I legitimately fucking love. Like, I would put him in the shortlist for, like, favorite working actors right now. Hmm. Like, That's quite a saying. I, anytime he shows up in something, I'm like, this movie got better. He's a movie helper. Like, he's never showed up in a movie and the movie's, like, worse for it. Way better because of it. Okay. Uh, and then it also stars Robert Pattinson. From Twilight. Thomas Howard. He's Yeah, he is Edward in Twilight. And more importantly, he was in Good Time, which was directed by the Safdie brothers, who did Uncut Gems. You did like that movie. Uh, both Uncut Gems and Good Time are oh, yeah. both really good movies. How many years do you think Robert Pattinson, how many how many years of like being an incredibly weird, good movies does he have to put in before he's no longer the Twilight guy? I don't, I don't know. Like, Rob Lowe is no longer known for some certain things he shouldn't be known for. Well... But that's been forever. But it was like Twilight was huge. I think. I mean, good lord, it was a movement. It was, it was almost as big as Harry Potter. People did. I mean, they still did tours um, of the area. There's, I mean, it 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 was huge. I I was teaching then because I'm always teaching, and I mean. You could not keep those books on your shelves. We teachers had copies that we would loan out. The libraries did. Like girls went crazy for them. They were huge. So how many? Let's let's look at it like this. The only, I think you could look at Daniel Radcliffe and Harry Potter, and I think he's still because he's not done the breadth of work that I think Pattinson. Because Pattinson is going to be Batman. Mm-hmm. So I think there's not as many as the Twilight but movies, but I think you can look at. Uh, Gosling, Ryan Gosling, who's mm-hmm. another one of my favorite actors, he's always going to have a certain group of people that are going to be like the notebook. Yeah. But now he's totally, for the most part, escaped that, and people don't think of the notebook when they think of him. Well, maybe Robert Pattinson, as soon as he becomes Batman, will not have to hold on to the, oh, he was Edward from Twilight thing anymore. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Anything, uh, who else do we need to look for in this movie? That's it. There's a couple That's other it. people in this movie, but by and large, it's just this movie these two is guys, legitimate, and the ocean handler, our two hander. It's just them two for the most of the movie. Oh, okay. Um, this movie, just a heads up, uh, some trivia about this before we go in. So this movie shot in a very square frame. It's also shot in black and white. Mm-hmm. All of the sets were built for this movie in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. including the lighthouse. Canada. Yeah. Um, so the the lighthouse was not there originally. This no, is a prop lighthouse. All of that, including the lighthouse light lens, which was built for this movie and was functional, historically accurate, and could be seen for sixteen miles when it was. Um, 
And this movie takes place in the 30s, right? That's why everything's kind of done that way. No, this movie takes place uh, in the 1890s. Okay. Yeah. Sort of the, the old gas. They they patterned a lot of things off of Melville. Okay. Like Herman Melville and some mm-hmm. of the dialect and whatnot in his books. Working Man. Yeah. Yeah, North. Uh, okay. I feel the thing you get to understand with Robert Eggers is not only did he write and direct this movie, but he has Isn't a, his wife a dialect coach? I th- I it's like so. something like that. Like he's real big on dialect. And he's also really big into research. Yeah. And he has a, th- a background in theater. He was a, an experimental theater, like a play director. Mm-hmm. So he has this big, th- big onus on rehearsals, but only on rehearsals of crafting a character and living in that time frame in that space. So they'll go in and, and write the script to include dialect and slang words that were used at that time. Right. And then, you know, they built the sets, but all of the cabinets and drawers had period instruments and tools and plates and cups and forks. and Yeah. It's like peering into the 1890s with this movie. That's a good thing. And it's a horror movie. It, it's, it's, I would say it's, it's an isolation movie. It's horror adjacent. This movie could definitely take have taken a huge step into like horror, like mm-hmm. traditional horror, but it doesn't. Like it, it, it plays at the edges of horror. Okay. But I don't think it ever fully steps into All right, well before you say that. too much, uh, this is the part of the show where Josh shows me an original poster and I try to discern meaning from it. I'm gonna guess, before I even look at the poster, that it's about a lighthouse. Yeah, it's a lighthouse with two men. So I'm going to say this is about, you know, lighthouse kind of culture and lore. Like, there's a lot of stories about, you know, they go crazy because especially in the late uh, 19th century, you know, you would have to make sure that the light is working, like the light is on. And then when it's off, you have to polish all the lens, all the mirrors and polish all the lenses because it was that gaslight and it was super dark. Like it was a hard ass on top of anybody who was getting hurt out in the area. Like you would have to help with shipwrecks. It was a hell of a job and people, it, they were alone. So I bet it's something about someone going crazy for that. Like that. That's what I think. We shall see. How okay. you are. Uh, this movie is nominated for an Oscar for cinematography. It is a gorgeous-looking movie. Um, and I will say before we go that both Pattinson and Defoe reached out to Robert Eggers and said, we want to work with you because they liked The Witch so much. And they Ooh. To do that. His next movie is going to be about Vikings, and I'm so fucking stoked. Nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Vikings, that's probably going to be a brutal-ass movie. So anyway. Lighthouse. So we own the Blu-ray, obviously, but I know this is available on Amazon Prime. I think it's on sale right now. Yeah. Um, for like a dollar or something like that. All right. So we're going to watch... I finally got to watch The Lighthouse. Josh is excited. I love this movie so much. All right. Join us, won't you? Yay! Mind the doors. A timberman want with being a wiki. Just looking to earn a living. It's like any man. Starting new. On the run. Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. 
back listeners or should i say accomplices accomplices to my murder i feel like listeners is generous I generous think you think one we, think it's just one this, this whole podcast is for one person my mom maybe <laughs> no we have I, I know a couple people that listen it's so it's such a weird thing our and, podcast no not, not the podcast but when like you you meet other people or you see other people that you know like in some capacity and yeah. then they're like oh yeah I listen to your podcast it's so, it's so weird good that it sounds like hipstery that's what you that's what I want you to it do it is what we want we might want to do this thing called social media it's, at we some point do we're just not very good at we're it. not very good at it um, well okay we're not very good at it because we're a bit of luddites but no one no one more so than the guys in the lighthouse did you guys watch the lighthouse did you get through it did you make it to the very end. I zoned out a few times. Gentle listeners, this movie should have been um, marketed as the fourth installment in the Twilight series, and it could have been the death of Edward. This is the death of Edward movie. Yes. This this movie could fit in <laughs> with uh, Twilight, and it would explain how Edward finally dies. I feel, That's what I okay. Say. I feel like if you we were gonna somehow, I didn't, I didn't expect this conversation to start here. Well, it is uh, because fuck boom this coming at you books and movies. But I feel like if you were gonna cram this mm-hmm. into that world, mm-hmm. it had to be the prequel of how he like, became a vampire. Mm, so you'd have to. Finagle so the we already know that he becomes a vampire. I think during the Spanish flu or something like that, and just the idea. So in the lighthouse. Robert Pattinson, you kind of find out that he had like a second life, right? Like the whole movie is him in a lighthouse with Willem Dafoe, and he keeps having flashbacks to when he was a well, that, a woodcutter right? that or a tree, in, that right? Logger, <laughs> wood tree logger. Describing the plot of the movie to us. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I kind of did. <laughs> this is part of Edward Cullen's story. Again, I hate the fuck out of those books and those movies. You didn't hate this movie, though. You love this movie, don't you? This is such a Josh Shap movie. I just, like, the Ryan Gosling notebook thing. It's how many good mm. movies does he have to make before we're, like, past. Oh, I'm far past it. No, no, I mean, I'm not you. Like, just <laughs> culture. Because Gosling has the thing he does where he'll do, like, one like romantic comedy thing and then he'll do like three 
crazy action adventure crazy movies Mm -hmm. where it's like i don't think i should talk in this movie and i should just be really violent and crazy but like i don't know how many of those i've seen like neon demon or drive or whatever and there's always at least one lady who's like it wasn't like the notebook and it's like what guys he's talking about me did you did you come did you come to the neon demon he's talking about me did you come see a movie called the neon demon no but i know exactly what was going to be like the notebook no but i know which one you're talking about i'm not that bad no no no. and i'm just like it's the culture like some actors are not allowed in certain people's minds to move beyond the things they've done they will and brad pitt has moved beyond Leonardo DiCaprio is the same way, and I think that's kind of what held him back. He was always the hunky kid from Titanic. Oh, you know, even I would say his performance in Gilbert Grape is quite a few heads above his performance in Titanic, but that's just me. Matching the guest tank, boom, boom. (laughs) Boom. Anyway, um, but it took him forever to get out of that. He's the cute boy you know, kind of a role. In fact, he just got his first Oscar. Eh, I mean, Ryan look, Go- not Ryan Gosling, Robert Pattinson's time will come. Look at the the three main people from that franchise. From right? from the Twilight. Twilight. And I've I've worked with teenagers for a very long time, so I've seen those movies. Yeah, I have too. I've worked with teenagers. More I was a times than I care to. Imagine being the woman who's trying to get kids to love reading, and all they want to read is Twilight. Like, okay, good, yes, reading, read anything. Oh my God, what the crap are you reading? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Oh my God, uh, I, know. I remember. It's... So let's see. You have Kristen Stewart, and I'm not a fan of Kristen Stewart. She's done some things. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. I just don't like her as an actress. I still actress. think of her as the kid from Panic Room I just, more than anything. She doesn't stand out to me as her character from Twilight because while she was while she was playing that part, I just don't like the way she acts. Nothing against her. She obviously fits the bill somewhere, just not in my bill. I think that she Jack Nicholson's every role she does and whatever. Like, I just kind of shrug my shoulders at so, her. So, hot take with the three main stars of that franchise. Oh, poor Taylor Lautner is... Uh, he kind of fell off. Wah, 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 right? Wah, like, wah, he did a couple Adam Sandler comedies on and Netflix and whatnot. And he did some rom-com, you know. He's kind of like, you know, he pops up in kids' movies or whatever here and there. Kristen Stewart still acts and she's still in big movies, but she seems more... Like, I, I don't want to upset anyone. I don't know why this would upset <laughs> anyone, but... She seems more like a media personality than she does like an actor or actress. I know that she's in a lot of things and she pops up and I left her in Underwater. Like that probably is my favorite thing she's ever done. But to me, she seems more um, famous for tabloidy reasons yeah. than she does for like the movie she's in. Pattinson is like the actor of he, the group. Yeah, he like, is. He has time. really... Did you see Good Time? It's incredible. Is that the one where he has a New York accent? It's the, yeah, but I think him playing Batman is going to break some boundaries. Be the thing that you know he can do all these like insanely good little movies, like The Lighthouse and Good Time. Mm-hmm. But I think um, he needs to do a big blockbuster and get his name out there. No, no, I think something it's, other than Twilight. I don't think it's that. I think it's that like playing such a recognizable character like Batman. I think mm-hmm. that'll do it. I think people forget, especially younger people. Is anyone younger listening to this? I don't think so. Because at one point, there was a time when Michael Keaton was known as Mr. Mom. Yeah. And he was like a comedian. And then he was fucking 
Batman. Batman. And then Christian Bale was like but this then, weirdo wait, wait, character wait, 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 wait. and then he was Batman. I'm putting this in reverse. What happened to uh, Michael Keaton after Batman? He disappeared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened to George Clooney after his stint with, stint with uh, Batman? Uh, he chose better movies to act in. He disappeared for a while and then he, he came chose, back. He chose way better movies uh, to act But I'm just in. saying, don't wish too much on it. What has Ben Affleck done? Did I call him Affleck? Affleck. Uh, ben he did Affleck that movie done. where he oh, you know, played yeah, he, an alcoholic basketball coach. Essentially, did he win his Oscar? He played himself as a basketball coach. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which is unfair. I like, need, I like Ben Affleck. I need to pilot the ship back to the lighthouse. So, the mm, lighthouse, everyone. I would pay to see that movie. I zoned out and had to keep being, hey, hey, snapped back in, and that's Okay. In the end, it turned out to be a pretty interesting movie. I feel like one of us did not like this movie. It was just, it was a that very was artsy really movie. It wasn't a horror movie to me. It was just like, oh, he's gone crazy. I mean, whatever. Uh, I can usually tell how much Cindy likes a movie by how much she dicks around on her phone during the movie. That's fair. Uh, and this had a lot of dicking around. like. Yeah, it did. Anyway, so the, it is about these two guys turn at on a lighthouse, and they're there for thirty days. And there's one man who's in charge, and there's a, who's played by Willem Dafoe, and then there's one man who's it's his first round. So they put him with somebody who's really, really seasoned, like Willem Dafoe. And it's a very isolated trip, and Willem Dafoe kind of puts him through the ringer, and he doesn't like it. And then on day 30. Well, here's the thing, though. By putting him through the ringer, Willem Dafoe is the shittiest boss ever in this, Mm -hmm. in a way. Like, to the point where he... He doesn't let him do the fun stuff. Like, you know, work work the lamp. Or um, he doesn't let him, you know, do the good stuff. He only has to do, like, the slop the deck and take away the gross piss pots. And I mean, he makes him carry shit. He makes him re like mop the floor a hundred times. But I mean, anyway, so, and then on day 30, their relief doesn't come and no big deal. Company plans for this. There's an extra supply up. And what was it? Two weeks supply due to a massive storm. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. There's a massive storm. So no problem. There's two weeks supply of food buried and cool. And then the rest of the movie is them, because most of that two-week supply was liquor, uh, the rest of the movie is them trying to handle being on this island for more than 30 days. And we're not sure if they're on there for an extra two weeks or an extra two months, because that's kind of part of it. It's this idea that you don't know like how many days have passed. And the more time goes on, they get drunker and drunker every night and so time days kind of bleed together and things become violent and that's the movie okay how, how about two lighthouse keepers trying to maintain their sanity whilst living on a remote and mysterious new england island in the 1890s well okay <laughs> hey, whatever <laughs> i did like your full-on recap of the plot though yeah I understood why it took so long. Um, I did not dislike this movie. 
I, I mean, I can appreciate how artistic it was. There were some beautiful shots. Um, far, really well done camera work and directing, and the cinematography is incredible. Um, the script writing, the language is intense, and it's really well executed. And the purpose of the movie is to drag on, I think, so that you kind of start going down that spiral. How many days has it been? You know, mm-hmm. so I get it. I do, and I'm glad I saw it because it's it's one of those movies that film people like. You know, so I'm glad I saw it, but it was weird and boring. <laughs> and I would have rather watched, you know, Pee Wee's Playhouse or something. I don't know. Like I'm just thinking of something total opposite of this dragged out black and white movie from the 1890s. Uh, yeah, like Pee Wee's Big Adventure, very colorful and over the top. Well, split decision here. So oh, let, I know. let someone who <sighs> adored this movie and who thought it was the the best, their favorite movie of last year. Okay, uh, here give we go. A little insight into the things Cindy liked about it. So the things I liked about it. The reason why it looks like it does, and it looks so pretty is the fact that it was shot actually black and white on black and white film stock. Mm-hmm. Most movies that are shot now that are done in black and white, they usually just shoot them digitally and then they go in and pull the color out. Yeah, they filter it. So this movie was shot on black and white stock. And so you could get shot, a lot more interesting yeah. shadow work, I It guess. was shot with lenses from the 1930s. And it was shot with a filter they used that blocked all of the red so all of the red in the movie appears black okay so all of the blood everything is black it so that's what it looks like everyone in this movie when they bleed bleeds oil mm-hmm. um and it it looks like they also a, shit oil because yeah. you get a lot of close-ups of their shitter yeah it, a lot that, of them that's why this movie has a very distinct look is there is it's shot in black and white native black and white and then there's no shades of red in this movie whatsoever. And there's 20 seconds of a close-up of a Willem Dafoe turd. He also farts a lot. That being said... Josh loved it. Like I said, this is a movie people who like film and can appreciate that would like. The aspect ratio of this movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like, people tend to think it's a 4 by 3 movie. It's a traditional box. And it's not... So the box, the traditional, like when we think of like a square frame, frame, like an 80s movie, Mm -hmm. like a not letterboxed movie, that that aspect ratio is 1.331, right? This is actually a 1.191 film, which is the aspect ratio used by filmmakers and films in like the 1920s. It made for some very pretty shots. Just, that's all I can just, say. Just so you know, that's a thing. I think it got nominated for an Oscar for cinematography. That's all it got nominated for Oscar-wise. It got nominated for a lot. I think it won Best Supporting Actor for Willem Dafoe. It did? At um, the Independent Spirit Awards. Cool. So one day Willem Dafoe will get your Oscar. He should have won. For Spider-Man. No? No, he should have won for Florida Project. He oh, got yeah. nominated for Best Supporting for Florida Project. That, that was a good win. movie, too. So Very different from this one. So I am making an executive decision. This movie in no way fits the archive formula, which is a segment we typically do based on the acclaimed producer, Samuel Zyarkov. Instead, Josh loves this movie, and this movie is very symbolic, and there are lots of like images and things, especially the end. 
All right, Josh. Give me some thematic elements. Because there's not a lot that I took away from this movie. It was like, oh, okay, it's about these two people. I mostly just wanted to, like, ask your opinion on things and see what you thought after the fact. Okay. So... I will say that as someone who has a deep love affair with the English language and etymology and how, like, words are formed, this was really cool. Like, the dialect, the, um... Which is why I guess I didn't think it was an Eastern movie, because he doesn't have a, a real New England accent. Is deep. Okay, so about that. Okay. Robert Pattinson's dialogue and speech pattern... He doesn't have many lines. ...is based off of a book called Tales of New England, which was written in, like, the well, 1800s. Well, I'm wrong. And the reason why his his accent is odd and you're like well because he's british how do you want to pop the car when you normally talk like it's not even it's not that because i've heard him do like a a modern american Mm -hmm. dialect it's flawless the thing about his dialect his speech pattern in this movie is we think of new england we immediately think boston and it's a little bit of that but it's actually his everything he's the way he talks is based off of rural Maine and how people in rural Maine talk, hmm. especially at the time. But wouldn't that be more Canadian then? It's a little Canadian, but um, so that's—I mean—that's where they get the "ah" sound. Up but there. it's when I think of how people in Maine talk, I think about the old man from Pet Cemetery. Okay, I don't like, know what you're talking about, but yeah, the idea of like they don't say better; they say better. Better, huh? Like, it, well, that's they, good. there yeah. is a distinct Maine accent, and Stephen King writes in it a lot, phonetically. Okay. Whenever well, he then, writes yeah. characters that take place in, like, Castle Rock and whatnot. So, and the book that they took this from, she did interviews with people, and I forget the name of the, the author, but she wrote them... Phonetically. Yeah. Like, how they, you know... How it would sound. As opposed to how she would write it, traditionally. So that's his dialect. Okay. It's based off of like, uh, like a rural Maine. My only experience, yeah. I have old sorority sister girlfriend from Maine. That's about it. All my experiences, you write with people from Massachusetts. Yeah, Defoe's was based off of like. Oh. His is his is a like, little Scottish. It's almost Welsh. Well, his is based on like like ships captains. Yeah, the time. that's what I mean. Like, you know, this whole, like, sea shanty and... <laughs> yes. His his dialogue and his way of talking came from Strangers and Wayfarers, which was written by the same person. It was uh, Sarah Jewett. Jewett. Who, who wrote those. But she would, like, talk to people that worked at, on, like, ships and... And wrote down their dialogue. She basically, you know, interviewed people about, like, what do you do? And they're like, you know, I cut the rope and I do this. And she just wrote it all down as... This movie's very fucking period. Yes. To the point of like... It's a big art piece. Everything in this movie was constructed. Yeah. It's all practical. And it was built the way it would have been built in the time. The only difference is like they used like fake bricks. They built it out of wood instead of like bricks. Oh, yeah. But they had someone come in and they developed the sound that the lighthouse would make. (laughs) Like they they went through like different sounds and like they had an expert come in and he was like, it would sound like this or like this, and then they pick the one that they liked better. Can you imagine if that's on your card? Like, what are you? Oh, I'm an, I'm an expert in lighthouse sounds. That's uh, that's what I do. I know when uh, you bring me in, and I can be like, hmm, that doesn't sound right. 
I can't tell you what's wrong, but I know it doesn't sound right. The other thing, when we get into this movie, we talk about the plotting of this movie, which is so weird. Because it's two men, they're the only two people in the mm-hmm. entire movie that have any dialogue. They show up at a, they show Rob, up on this island. And Robert Pattinson, Ephraim, or whatever. Yeah, Ephraim uh, Wilson. Um, he doesn't Ephraim really Ephraim talk Wilson. a lot. He doesn't really have a lot. Yeah. Later, you find out his name is Thomas, too. So it's Thomas and Thomas, Mm -hmm. which talk about that in a second. But they're on an island. They're trapped by weather. They're trapped by weather, maybe because he kills that seagull or maybe because. Oh, yeah. Maybe because. He just got trapped by (laughs) fate. You don't really know. There's a lot of different interpretations about this movie. That's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. So. I t- my interpretation of this movie is that this is how Edward Cullen died, getting his spleen picked out by a hawk on the beach. <laughs> there's okay, fair. <laughs> okay, tell me what are my options? Okay, like how, how do people there, interpret could, this movie? You can watch this movie totally literally, right? And it's just about like the breakdown of these two, two guys. Two men show up, and it's based on a true story. Did you know that? Two men into no like, man leave. I found this. I'm gonna read you this little okay. snippet. This little snippet um, of is it like one of those like poltergeist is based on a true story? Like, yeah, it's a little loose interpretation. Or is it like, no, this this dude went crazy. Also, if you're living in the eighteen like the late nineteenth century, the eighteen hundreds, and you murder a guy and then you're like, I'm just gonna go to this lighthouse company and work and you're like isolated for thirty days. It's kind of baller. It's a good way to dip. Uh, okay, so this is from an article from Bloody Disgusting. And I Bloody wanted, Disgusting. Yeah, I just wanted to read you this. So co-written with his brother Max, Robert Eggers revealed in an interview that it, it was a true life tragedy that inspired the bare bones outline of the lighthouse. Okay. Uh, that tragedy known as the smallest lighthouse tragedy or incident changed the way British lighthouses were operated. In 1801, keepers Thomas Griffith and okay, Thomas Howell were stationed at an aging lighthouse on a small rocky island 20 miles west of Wales. It was widely known that the pair didn't get along at the best of circumstances, often fighting and threatening bodily harm. <laughs> so when Griffith died in a freak accident, Hal was too afraid to cast the body out to sea. He assumed everyone would suspect him of murdering Griffith. Instead, Hal built a coffin for Griffith and tied it to the rocks outside the lightkeeper's house while he continued his duties of keeping the beacon lit. Over the winter, waves battered the coffin against the rocks and the corpse along with it, making its arm appear to wave and beckon to him. The beckoning arm in isolation broke Hal down over time, so when his replacements arrived to relieve him, he was unrecognizable. Henceforth, it was mandated that lighthouse teams be comprised of three men, not two. (laughs) Let's give one more. So, there is a literal translation of this movie that you could sit down and watch this movie. And in theory, that's how this movie could end. And go, two men show up at a lighthouse. Mm -hmm. They're trapped there for 30 days. They are at each other's throats because they don't get along. They don't get along at all. Uh, They go crazy because they're alone for so long, turn on each other. One kills the other one because he thinks he's hiding secrets. It's all crazy. Mm -hmm. They both die. The end. The end. That is a total, like... That's how I took the movie. That there was are, my end. There are other interpretations of this movie. Like, um, even in the literal interpretation, like, how much is real? Like, how much yep. of that movie is real? Like Because you're seeing it through an unreliable narrator. And also, like, how much is gaslighting? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. How much is it that, oh, you're doing a good job, and then he's behind his back, you know? Who's the bad guy of this movie? 
That's an interesting question because you can kind of take sides that Ephraim was just trying to do his job and he was being hazed and picked on too much and he just snapped, right? Because at the beginning, he doesn't want to drink. He doesn't do anything. Like He's by the book. He follows it. And Thomas kind of whittles him down so that by the end of the movie, they're drunk all the time and, you know, nothing's getting done. You could say, okay, so Thomas is the bad guy, right? Or because we're seeing things through Ephraim's point of view, is Ephraim really being a shit? Like, you don't see him do, like, you don't see him mop the floor the first time. He's just sitting there, like, smoking his pipe. When he comes in, he's like, I told you to mop the floor. He's like, I already did. Like, no, you didn't. Like, he honestly could have not mopped it. And he could have been kind of an ass. And Thomas was just trying, like, all those compliments. Like, hey, you're doing a good job. Like, next time, you know, ask before you bring up the entire tankard of oil. Like, you don't have to do that. You just talk to. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't know. Best example of that is when... You see uh, Winslow when you see Robert Pattinson try to get on the, the, the escape boat, like the little... Yeah, to leave. And Defoe runs up and attacks him with an axe and mm-hmm. like busts the boat up and then chases him back to the house. And then they have that altercation. Yeah, and it kind then, of starts the... And then Defoe's like, what are you doing? You literally just smack... He, he tells Pattinson, you smashed up the boat and then chased me with an axe. Even though we just saw Defoe smash the boat right. and chase Pattinson with the axe. So How much of it is gaslighting is on Thomas' Is Defoe crazy? Right. And telling him, like, you know, even though, like, I know I did this, but I'm telling you, you did this to make you go crazy. Or... Is he actually crazy? Is Pattinson really the one that did that? Yeah. That, so... That's up to the imagination. But I would assume by the end of the movie, the very last scene is uh, Ephraim paying for his sins... And so I would assume that means that he really did, like, he was a bad guy. He was the one who was, who, like, chased him with an axe and broke up. And you know what I mean? And then I've heard a theory that, like, they're both named Thomas Mm -hmm. because they're the same person. And they're trapped on an island. And they're two two sides of the same person warring with themselves. I've heard that, which I don't necessarily buy that one as much. Um, I, there is, there are two interpretations of this movie I don't see that. that I like, and one I like more than the other. So okay. I'll tell you the one I like, and then I'll tell you the one I really like. The one, the one's a nine. The one's a nine point five. They're all um, over nine. Like a seven, and then like a nine. So the first one is the the idea of this movie kind of follows the Prometheus story mm-hmm. of he has this desire to get to that light. Yep. And they do mythologize that light a lot. The mm-hmm. idea of, like, Defoe's up there. He has the key. He won't let him near it. He's naked a lot. There's, like, a Lovecraftian thing. Yeah. We see, like, tentacles, maybe jizz, or slime. We don't know. There's poop and jizz in this movie, oh. which makes this movie fucking awesome. Um, <clears throat> poop and maybe jizz, or slime. We don't know. Thank God for black and white. So I forgot about that, and I just made myself sick to the, my stomach. The idea that... In a way, that Promethean role is being filled by Pattinson's character, who wants to get to that light, to get that knowledge, right? And then Defoe's character would be, like, Triton, the idea of someone who knows all events past, present, and future, and Mm -hmm. knows what he's going to do, and knows the outcome of what's going to happen, and is like, you don't need to go up there. Yeah. I'm just going to keep that shit locked. I'll be the only one who goes up there, because if you go up there, I know what'll happen. 
you will do these things. Like, you even see Defoe take on the look of Triton. Mm-hmm. With, like, a the couple beard of, and the way they shoot him from the bottom Like, he's up, covered in, like, up. coral yeah. and whatnot. He has a very, like, semen... neptune like... Yeah. Okay, now tell me the one that you really like. Because <laughs> I like that one. I can see that one pretty well. Oh, also, the thing that feeds into that is when he gets to the light mm-hmm. and he thinks he has what he wants, he falls down and... The birds are eating his liver yep. at the end. Very Promethean. You know, Very, every yeah. day the birds will eat your liver. Sort his of thing. spleen, wasn't it? I don't remember. Yes. Anywho, the one what is the one you I like. subscribe to? Okay. The one I like, the one I, I think makes me like this movie even more, is the idea of you first have to realize that when he shows up to the island, he's Ephraim Winslow, but his real name is Thomas. I forget his last name. Whatever. And the reason he changed his name was there was that log jam when he was mm-hmm. a logger. And he killed a guy. And he didn't kill him. He just let him die. Right? Oh, he Phil Collins didn't like, he? The, he saw the log jam coming and the guy was like, help me up. And he was just like, nah, you're kind of a dick. And let him die. Yep. Right? So that being said. It's all been a pack of lies. Phil Collins. Sorry, you know the myth behind that song. I know. The idea of maybe he died too, and the island is actually purgatory. Oh. Representation of purgatory. And he's there to do enough work. Because if you think about it, they're on an island. It's gray. It's storming. By the way, those storms... They didn't do anything to create those storms. They didn't bring in any equipment. That's just the weather there. Yeah. Oh, I know that. So the light, the, this light, the thing that they're after, which could represent getting out of their mm-hmm. heaven or whatever. Yeah, the idea of a lighthouse moving up. Defoe is there to stop him from getting there until he does everything he needs him to do. And he refused, yeah. Like, you know, you need to do this, you need to work, you need to do that, you need to do that. I can kind of see that. Do, do you remember the scene? It doesn't make sense, in, except in kind of this context, where one of those crazy dream sequences where Willem Dafoe grabs him and he's outside and he's totally naked and his eyes are casting the same light as the lighthouse. Yes. Yeah. Right into, Will, or right into Robert Pattinson's eyes and Robert Pattinson's having that light. That would fill that, yeah. That um, makes sense. And the fact that he decides, no, I'm not going to do any more work. I'm not going to atone for anything I need to atone for. And basically usurps Defoe, mm-hmm. takes the keys and goes up to the light because, fuck it, I'm, I'm going to go do this. He's not earned that. So the light is judges him and it judges him harshly. Yeah, and his, and his end result yeah. is that he ends up on the beach having his spleen picked out by the same seagull. That yeah. beat to death. Now, with that, that is though, maybe that's how the movie also starts. Like it's a loop. Oh, like he's washed ashore and then he has to get up and keep doing it again because it's purgatory. Like the birds. I like eat that him. interpretation. Yeah, the, I'm so glad to keep you the around. The birds eat him. He dies. He wakes up. He's back on the island. It's day one. Start over again. Do it till you get it right. Any of those could be right. They could. I do like the huh. fact that Robert Eggers said about this movie, nothing good can happen when two men are trapped alone inside a giant phallus. Yeah, he's not right. I mean, he's not wrong about that. 
at all. So the idea of like there is a lot of masculinity stuff being challenged in this movie too that I appreciate. Well, and then I think the reason I just kind of took it at face value is that I have lived my life around white men with just a little bit of power and they do kind of go crazy. So if you were Thomas and you had 25 years being a lighthouse captain or whatever their rankings are and you know, you're given this new kid who's kind of like a punk ass. They're called wikis. Wikis. It's kind of like, you know, just being a punk ass. Like, now nah, I'm just going to do whatever. I'm going to dick off. Like, no, you're not. And I'm drunk with power. You're going to clean up my shit. You're going to, you know what I mean? Yep. They, that, that's factual. Give a ma- man with not a lot of color in his melatonin just a smidge of power, and he will become drunk with it. Did I say melatonin or melanin? Melatonin. Nice. Huh. That too. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I meant. Yeah, it's just, to me... Any of those interpretations work. And you could look at this movie however you want to look at it. I choose to think of this movie as... uh, It it feels too otherworldly to me. Yeah. To just be a face value movie. Because you could just watch this movie like The Shining and be like, oh, this guy's going fucking crazy and he doesn't know what's real and what's not. That's how I took it. And that totally works. I think the movie totally works in that realm. I don't think it works as good than if you really start to buy into one of... I like your idea of purgatory because you're right. Because you don't see them arrive the same... Well, yeah. Huh. Like, he's just there already. Interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know if I would watch this movie again. This was a stretch for me. Again, if, you, um, if you're not a fan of horror movies, if you're a fan of the idea of Citizen Kane, you know, these powerful shots and never-before-seen things like that... <laughs> Josh is showing me a picture that I would forgotten about. It was the picture of Willem Dafoe naked with the eye, light coming out of his eyes. Right. Where he looks St- like Neptune. Staring into Robert Pattinson's eyes. Yeah. Anyway, if you're the kind of person you know who enjoys that type of movie, this is good for you. If you like the idea of like a human psyche movie, you know, what would happen if you're alone for too long, kind of a... I don't know. I don't think I'm just that, those kind of people. This movie wasn't made for me. And that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the world would be a boring place if... We only made one type of movie. Oh, for sure. Um, this, like I said, I can appreciate it for a lot, but it just wasn't entertaining like, to me. I yeah, the same thing. I like I've watched movies where I'm like, this is a well made movie that I don't give a shit about. Right. <laughs> uh, however, like A to B, B to C. This was a movie it makes that me think I watched in theaters for the first time, and I felt like it was being made just for me. I felt like Robert Robert Eggers was like, I'm going to make this movie because Josh is going to love it. it. Uh, and I really like The Witch, but man, you I like this one better? love this movie so much. I love everything it about it. I love the dialogue. I love the way it looks. I love the, fa- the performances. I think Robert Pattinson is great. I think that Defoe got more of the... Uh, acknowledgement and the credit because his role is showier. Yes. Uh, he has that big, insane fucking speech where he stands up and... Cogswabble. Starts yelling like, uh, Hark, Hill Triton and all that shit and calls Robert Pattinson out for not liking his food. Right. That shot was... That was one... Yeah, one continuous long, take. continuous take. And it was intense. Willem Dafoe didn't blank one time. He did great. That was several minutes... And I tried, every time I watch that movie and that scene comes up, I try to not blink along with him and it is really fucking If you're hard. focused on what you're saying, it's easy to do. I would not watch this with my children. 
We did not watch this with my mother. My mother. This is a movie for, it's a thinker. If you want to watch a movie to be like entertained and kind of zone out me, not for you. It's like, oh, you know, interesting. I want to think about it and have conversation. Like, yes, this is a good movie. Well, I think if you're looking for a movie like Anchorman, this is clearly... My second favorite movie. Super fucking far from that. Yes. This is not a Killer Clowns from Outer Space. This is not a reanimator. This is... This is... But it fits our month perfectly. Isolation, right? I honestly don't know how this movie got made. Like, I was... Like, I know that Robert Pattinson and Defoe both came to him and they're like we love the witch and we'd love to do something with you and that them doing the movie probably really fucking helped with the financing Mm -hmm. but i just want you to imagine being in the room and trying to pitch this movie and someone hands you this script and you read it and they're like explaining it's gonna be a black and white well that kind of we're gonna build a lighthouse and they're explaining to you and you're just like okay that kind of goes to what you you've been kind of saying about the what is it a24 Mm mm-hmm they just, the right company, you know, you just got to have the right idea with the right company. I mean, I don't want to talk or like blow A24 on here, even though, I mean. You will. I can't think of another studio that would have made that movie. No, not not today. <laughs> like this, I. You genuinely love this movie. I do love this movie, but also like I am genuinely awestruck every time I watch it that this <laughs> film got made. Like, All right. I don't know how. This that's is a, a movie point. that seems like... How did this get made? We shift one degree in either direction at any point, and this movie doesn't fucking happen. It's so, <laughs> so fucking weird. Right? Uh, yeah. This is such a weird, weird fucking movie. It's good. What are we watching next week? Are we still... We're in isolation. We are. So what are we going to be watching to continue our isolation month? Next week will be... Next week? Green Room. So we're trading in... Lighthouses and wikis and black and white movies for neo-Nazis and bright colors and a lot of greens and good times. By good times, I mean not good times. Okay, guys. We'll talk more about that uh, same time next week. All right. Until then. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. Thanks for listening. Maybe like the Facebook page or... Write a check and mail it to us or, well, Pony Express, whatever it is. We love you. That being said, before we stop.